Drunk Botany, Episode 2. Hoist a glass and prepare to enter a world of gardens, brews, botany, and booze. Here's your host, Bill Creation. Hello everybody, I'm your host, Phil Creation. Today we'll be drinking Bass Ale, chilled, because I'm a heathen. And we have some experiments that we're going to conduct. I hope you're excited to roll up your sleeves and get down to work. Today, what you will need is a lighter. That's right, we will be lighting things on fire, so be excited already. Uh, we will also need a tea light which is one of those small candles. We will also need a single bright common 12D three and a quarter inch nail. Tonight's experiment will also require a plastic cup, uh, a styrofoam cup like you would find at Dunkin' Donuts, uh, a manual can opener. I'm using an OXO manual can opener and a small pocket knife, a pair of scissors, and uh, a beer can. I'm using the lion's head that I drank last week. I promised you that I was drinking it for reasons that would become clear. Now, before we get started on that, uh, I do have a couple of things that I wanted to go over that uh, I forgot in my drunken rampage last week to tell you about. The first is that the seed starting mix from Jiffy offered infinitely better results than peat moss. This is not to say that peat moss didn't work. It did. I just, I saw significant improvement in the individual plants. I also failed to mention last week that there is such a thing as the plastic bag seed viability test. This is if you have seeds, uh, again, this is kind of specific to tomatoes in my own experience, but I can't see it not working on other seeds. The plastic bag seed viability test is when you take a paper towel and you moisten it and you place like five to ten seeds in there and then you put that into a plastic bag and you put that in your warm place. As I mentioned last week, for most people that's on top of a refrigerator or like a heating unit in their basement, but you can use a heating mat. My father uses a heating mat, and I will link to that in today's show notes page. Now, after a couple of days, you should be checking down there, and with the moistened paper towel, uh, you should be able to see through it when you hold it to the light. What you're looking for is to see which seeds sprout little rootlets. Now, if you're counting 10, and this is clearly not the most scientific experiment in the world, what with sample sizes being as small as they are, this should give you a general idea of what percentage of your seeds are viable. If you have six out of 10 seeds sprouting, that's gonna be a 60% viability. If you have them spaced out evenly enough on the paper towel, you can use the seeds from your seed viability test to start seeds with. Making sure that you don't cut any of the roots you can cut those little seeds out, the ones that have the little rootlets coming off. As long as they're not touching each other, you should be in good shape. Bury it in the seed starting compound, paper towel and all. 
in a couple of days, you should see those coming forth from your plugs if you're using my system or from your peat pellets if you're using the Jiffy Greenhouse or from whatever seed starting trays you happen to have on hand if you're working from, say, the Mel Bartholomew method. Another thing that I failed to mention last week is the importance of labeling your plants. If you're the kind of person who forgets where you put down your beer, you will probably forget where you planted your seeds. Likewise, if you don't drink and for some reason are listening to this podcast, uh, if you're the kind of person who doesn't remember to return their library books on time or maybe pay your credit card bills on a regular basis, you should be the person labeling your seeds. Now, there are a couple of methods, and I... Uh, because I'm an idiot, prefer redundancy. There are a couple of different routes that you can go to label your plants. You can go to different garden catalogs, Home Depot, Amazon.com, etc., and purchase individual plant markers. They will cost an unreasonable amount for what they do, but they will do the trick. Another common thing that gardeners use because we are kind of the original upcyclers is people will use discarded window blinds the cheap white blinds that you find in every house ever that children and pets alike like to destroy with abandon on regular basis you can take these cut the strings and release just these slats that are white and easily written on now this is actually a great option. I don't use it myself because I have this other method, which I will tell you about shortly. But one of the perks of these blinds is that they're easy to write on with a simple number two pencil. Like a Ticonderoga yellow pencil is uh, ideal. Uh, one of the reasons why you want to use pencil in the garden is that it doesn't fade in the sunlight the way that Sharpie does. That being said, I use Sharpie. So what do I use? I learned a method of labeling plants. I want to say from, I forget exactly off the top of my head, but the person whose trick I am stealing used white milk jugs like you'd find at a Wegmans. Uh, gallon jugs, you just cut off the curvy parts, the top and the bottom, and you use a pair of scissors to cut the flat parts into appropriately sized markers. I like to put points on the ends so that I can sink them into the earth, no problem. We all drink milk. Uh, it should be easy to get your hands on any number of these things instead of, say, convincing your wife or husband to eliminate the shades that you don't like in your house. And it's a heck of a lot cheaper than going out and purchasing brand new shades just for the purposes of gardening. It's important to note that everything should be clean while working in the garden. So wash your milk jugs. Once I've cut everything, I personally like to keep all of my little plant markers that I've made myself in a small crown royal bag with a Sanford Sharpie Extra Fine Point Permanent Marker. Now, permanent marker in this instance is a bit deceiving because permanent markers, at least Sharpie permanent markers, fade in the sun. 
I don't know why this is, but even so, for at least the beginning of the season, I find this to be very helpful, especially when I'm working with seedlings like we were last week. And then as we get into the potting up stage, which is actually the subject of today's episode, I find it's easy because things don't tend to stay in one place during this phase of gardening, and uh, it's very easy to get confused with what you're doing. So if the timing in the area has lined up for you and you've been gardening along with me for the past week or so, you should be able to take a look at your greenhouse or homemade greenhouse and see all kinds of life springing forth. Cotildons should be everywhere. If you're working with tomatoes, you should see after three or four weeks your first set of true leaves. These are the leaves that aren't the dinky double leaves that come out of the seed. Um, those dicotildons are meant to sustain the plant in the absence of photosynthesis. The plant is going to use the sugars stored in there to burst forth in new life and produce leaves that will enable it to turn sunlight into food for the plant. You should be feeling like a god in your own way at this point. An important thing to note, though, is that your seed plugs and peat pellets aren't going to be enough to sustain the plant indefinitely. Just like children, they will eventually grow out of the environment that you have them in and will require you to accommodate their new form. This brings us to the concept of potting up. You should ideally pot up shortly after you see your first sets of true leaves. This will necessitate getting your plants out of the greenhouse and under some real lights. This is where you're really going to want to use some shop lights, although I have realistically still used contractor clip-on lights to relative success. Again, I'm really just trying to get a head start on the season and avoid purchasing plants at my local box store. There is nothing wrong with purchasing plants at a box store if those are the plants that you want to grow. I just personally really like heirlooms, and I just find that the selection is non-existent at, say, a Home Depot or a Lowe's. So, now that we're potting up, it's important to talk about different ways that you can do it. My grandfather, Wuka Creation Jr., always used to use yogurt cups. The man had no teeth, so I always thought that it was normal for him to eat yogurt, but... Come a certain time every year, he was always pushing my entire family, my brothers, me, everybody, to eat as much yogurt as possible, and I could never figure it out until much later. Turns out that my grandfather used to like to start entirely too many tomato plants, much like myself. Apparently the apple does not fall far from the tree, and he used to use these yogurt cups to pot his seedlings up into. Another thing that you can use are peat pots, which you can purchase uh, at any garden supply store or Amazon.com, or uh, you can tell I love Amazon.com. I just don't like to stand in lines. I'd rather wait two days and have something appear than wait for 15 minutes behind somebody at a store. That's just my own laziness, though, I suppose. Anyway, the perk of peat pots is it helps to minimize the risk of something called transplant shock, which 
occurs when you know roots are disturbed and plants are moved to new environment peat pots can be planted in the soil with impunity they will the pot itself will become part of the soil another thing that you can use are terracotta pots terracotta pots are what you associate with pots when you think of your mom's garden or your grandmother's garden in those brown pots that uh, have that beautiful Italian flair those are terracotta pots they're made from clay they wick moisture when you water them the pot itself changes color as long as it's not enameled and you can tell kind of just by looking at the pot what the moisture levels are I'm going to briefly interrupt myself to mention that it's important not to overwater your plants at this stage overwatering is just as dangerous as underwatering uh, and can cause your plants to dampen off and die I've had all kinds of bad luck with this myself because I, I have a tendency to start my seedlings too early I get too excited in December January February when everything around me is dead and snow is falling from the sky and all I want to do is plant things and you know it just it, it always works out poorly for me because the wetness helps transfer cold temperatures to the plant which will kill it it's just bad news all around you can if you can't just tell by dipping your finger into the soil how wet it is you can buy different moisture meters which i'm sure i will be able to link to on my show notes page if that's your speed again i don't use them myself because i'm a cheapskate this brings me to my father's method now a lot of people just aren't into yogurt but you still need a plentiful supply of cups now i have a brother two brothers both of whom have spent a great deal of time still living with my folks and throwing a great number of parties. My brother Jeffrey came up with this idea for something that he calls the Beer Olympics, and everybody would come by and there'd be just a plethora of solo cups, red solo cups, just littered about the place after Beer Olympics. My dad used to collect all of these solo cups, wash them out, dry them, and put holes in the bottom. These solo cups would form the basis of my father's potting up technique. I recommend it myself, however, I have always had some level of difficulty getting the hole into the bottom until fairly recently, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. The other thing that my grandfather, Wuka Creation Jr., used to love was the styrofoam cup that you get coffee in. In high school, I was a frequenter of Dunkin' Donuts, and I just was always bringing home the extra large coffee cup. In those days, it was called the Great One. The horrible for the environment, non-biodegradable, evil styrofoam cup remains my favorite thing to use. But on principle, I just don't use it. You could write on it with a ballpoint pen. You could put a hole in the bottom with the same ballpoint pen. The number of steps that it takes to use them is just super easy but again they never biodegrade or maybe they biodegrade in a thousand years who knows so i don't in good conscience recommend using the dunkin donuts cup but man is it easy what i use is actually a clear plastic cup 
Solo does make it, as does Dart, uh, and it tends to be distributed to restaurants as to-go cups. I want to say by Cisco Food Corporation. Anyway, my wife works at a restaurant, and she's a big drinker of water. So the end of her shift rolls around. She grabs a cup of water. She fills it with ice. She puts the lid on it. She goes into her car. She drives the 25 minutes home that it takes to drive here. And we just wind up with these plastic cups everywhere. So, like the trendy upcycler that I am, I hoard them, much to my wife's chagrin. And uh, I save them for gardening season. What I have found, however, with this thicker plastic cup, it's a got a label on it that says 20px, is that the plastic itself is rather thick. So, regardless of what you use, be it a yogurt cup, uh, a Solo cup, a Dunkin' cup, or these Cisco cups, uh, you need to have a drainage hole in there because you don't want to drown your plant. This is a phenomenon that a lot of old-timey gardeners refer to as wet feet. So we're going to go to our first experiment. Now, I used to just take my hammer and hit the bottom of these things with, uh, with my, you know, bright common, I don't know, what is it, a three-penny nail? It's a 12D, three and a quarter inch nail. That's always just been the one that I've used because it's the one that came with my house. Um, but I, I, I couldn't get through the bottom without cracking the sides. So I had actually talked to on the internet a fellow who came up with the bright idea of using heat. He had a soldering iron. Now, if you're not afraid of uh, burning yourself on soldering irons, disclaimer, Soldering irons are hot and can cause injury, as does fire, which we're about to play with in a minute. He says that these soldering irons just go right through the bottom of solo cups, or I imagine this cup that I'm going to use, like butter. But what I prefer to do is to use a candle. You just light the wick with your lighter, and you soften the plastic of the cup with the flame. It takes a little bit of time, but a seasoned eye will allow you to kind of see the plastic misshape. I like to then stick my nail through the soft plastic and it goes through like a warm knife through butter or a cold nail through warm plastic. Make sure that you extinguish all flames when you're done with them, because I don't want to be responsible for your insurance premiums going up. This brings me to my next little experiment, which I actually thought was a little bit clever, but I'm sure other people have done as well. This part of the experiment will require a hammer. Please be careful when using big galoot tools, such as hammers, so as to not hit your thumbs or other surfaces. Probably you should not operate machinery while under the influence of alcohol, so maybe do this before you crack open your bass ale.
So what I'm doing now is I'm taking that lion's head can from last week and I'm turning it upside down. It is obviously dry after a week of being drank and having been rinsed out because I don't want to introduce disease to my plants. In the center of the can, on the bottom, in a... What's the scientific word? Concave? In the concave bottom of the can, you want to place the point of your nail in the center and give it one firm hit with your hammer on the head of the nail. Or two if you're me and you just didn't get it on the first go. Pull it right out and you'll have a nice sized drainage hole. Now this in itself doesn't get you very far because there's still a lid on the top of this can. Now I used to use a pocket knife to open the tops of these cans and they just wound up being jagged and horrible and I also used to slip and cut myself all the time because remember cans are still metal. Now I used to use like a little pocket knife like a box cutter to try and cut these tops off and I just could never do a neat job of it. I used to slip and cut myself. It's just a hazard. I, I recommend against it. But then I came across this uh, painfully obvious idea. And that's why not use a can opener to open a can? Like it seems almost childishly simple, but it took me a little while to figure it out. But you're not going to open it in the way that you're accustomed to opening a can normally, which would be to hold it, hold it vertically. You instead want to hold your can opener horizontally and clip on to the inner lip of the top of your can. At this stage, it's just easy peasy. Turn the knob, spin it around, and when you're done, the top will fall right into the center of the can. Shake it a little bit or it'll come right out. And you'll have what is essentially a metal 12 ounce cup. And then we nail it right in the can. It'll be perfect. You fill it with your seed starting medium and you can be prepared to pot up. It should perhaps go without saying that you're going to need to fill all of your containers with soil to pot up then you can start to transplant your seedlings. Now at this point I think it's important to note that the longer you wait to pot up your plants, the more susceptible a maturing plant will be to transplant shock. Again, everybody hates to be in a new environment. Plants are no different. I have a tendency to bare root my tomatoes this is when I remove one of the three plants that are in my plugs and place it in with its roots shaken free of the seed starting medium. This does increase the risk of transplant shock, but uh, it's also one of the ways that I grow extra plants as opposed to the standard method of killing two out of the three seedlings. Some people like to play God, and when they plant three seeds to a peat plug, 
they will just kill the two weakest of the seedlings and allow the strongest to grow. I like to give everybody a fair shot because you never know when the first will be last and the last will be first. If you're using the newspaper, the newspaper will ultimately biodegrade. The roots can pierce through it. So you can just plant them. I just, I never do. I like to take two or three fingers and bury them deep into the soil so that I have enough room to put my seedling back in there and transplant it out of its younger days and let it grow back up. And then I like to fill that in with some fresh high nutrient soil um, or a potting mix at this point. You can switch from seed starting medium to a nice miracle Grow potting soil or using, say, Mills mix if that's your speed. Or even just, uh, I've heard people just using a mix of peat moss and well-made compost. I'm going to end with one last potting up choice. This is actually my favorite for houseplants. If you go to a garden store uh, like in Lowe's or Home Depot, they will have plastic pots that look like terracotta pots, but are obviously plastic. And they have two parts to them. There's the part that you would think of as the pot, and then there is like a drainage catcher that is actually attached to the pot. You can almost pull it off with your hands. And you'll see that there are four drainage holes in the bottom of the pot and four pegs that attach this bottom on. This bottom sort of forms a reservoir. And this way, when you water your plant, and the water goes down through the soil and nurtures the rootstock, it will eventually collect in this reservoir and can continue to feed up through the bottom of the plant. You want to minimize sitting water. It's just not great for the plant, much like what I mentioned previously with wet feet. However, what this will do is really, really, really save your counter spaces and your window sills from having pooling water constantly collect on them. These particular containers are about the same as, if not cheaper, than traditional terracotta pots. They also don't evaporate water through clay the way that terracotta does quite as quickly. One of your drawbacks, however, will be that you can't just look at it and know how moist the soil is. You'll have to stick your fingers in there or use a moisture meter of some kind. But yeah, that's potting up, and it's a very important phase of gardening. I guess that's it. Cheers! Thanks for listening to Drunk Botany. Visit us at drunkbotany.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll join you next week. 